I don't have a drink yet because Neil's bringing me a cocktail. Oh my God, such luxury. I know it is such luxury. Mm. Because, you know, you're lucky, Julie, because I've heard that you have to fight for your marriage. (laughs) So I think he's fighting for it one cocktail at a time. Um, He's winning the war, y'all. Is this a a thing? Sort of. Aaron, sorry, who's Aaron? Who's Aaron? (laughs) Janine, you're going to, I think you're going to do a lot of oh shits, but they're going to be very different. Uh, because this is it's delicious thank doubt. you what is it what is it it um it's the one he made up for me last night he's decided to name it the moat in god's eye <laughs> what a what? name what's in it it's uh dry vermouth and ginger ale and there's something else there's another spirit in there i can't remember right now and then um it's all shaken up and strained so it's like clear like a martini so it looks like liquid poison and then he (laughs) drops one of those expensive luxardo cherries in and around the bottom of it it looks like blood so it looks like an eyeball in blood in the bottom cool it's fucking awesome you're gonna have to put a picture put a picture send me a picture so we can post it okay i'll do that the socials um so uh, so, so Janine, I almost said yeah. it again. God damn it. Our, <laughs> our, our Saturday night friend zooms are, um, ruining my Janine consistency for me. I know. Cause all through, all through those, I try not to call you Janine. And then I find myself calling you by, I don't know whose name, uh, <laughs> when we're recording. Uh, this is without a doubt the most stylistically daring <laughs> episode of Outlander ever. No question. Um, The only thing that comes close, and I mean this both as a compliment and a dig, and I think you will understand what I mean when I say it. The only episode that comes close is Faith, and it doesn't come that close. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. it's nowhere near that daring. Um, But I mean that both as praise, because Faith is one of the best episodes of the show. Oh, yeah. And as a dig, because Faith is the episode with the slowly falling and shattering Virgin Mary (laughs) in it. Um, And both of those things apply here. Oh, man. So this will be fun. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a wild one. I've got I've still got half of a Pacifico, so we can we can go ahead and ruin the that scale uh, because I definitely didn't get up to get a drink, and I mm-hmm. didn't even finish the drink I had in front of me. Wow. Um, I was uh, forced to get up at one point because at the continuing string of my problems with technology today, my Roku shat out on me, so I had to reset it. Oh, yeah, Ju- uh, Janine, the reason we're starting late is uh, is poor old Julie. I had to, those of you who are in the crowdcast will already know this. I had to walk her through tech support like she was my grandma <laughs> on FaceTime. So oh. at a certain it's point, it's true, I was but like, let us also say that it wasn't a grandma problem. There was legitimately something wrong. It yeah, wasn't yeah. like was. I didn't yeah. know how to press start or whatever. It, but it was also pretty funny. It was hilarious. Um, and I did, for those people who watched the Saturday Night Live last night, I did look exactly like Kate McKinnon in that fucking Zoom sketch. It's true. And it's hilarious. <laughs> um, so that is oh why we started God. late, because we spent about 15 minutes trying to get that to work and eventually just gave up. And she watched um, a bit that there was a um, 
fervent outcry in the crowdcast that I had to keep her on the phone at least through the end of the credits, like the scene after the credits. Yeah. Um, so we did that, and then she popped back on again uh, at, at, after the inside the episode stuff. So the cast was mostly just me talking to myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we got we got some good stuff. Anyway, um, how are you? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm like Welcome to Podlander Drunk Cast Islander <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> nope, that was a bad one. How uh, are you really? Uh, I'm doing okay. It's uh, you know, uh it's Sunday's apparently laundry and cleaning day. That's what I'm realizing. So keeping that up. And I'm cooking well, a lot. We talked about this yesterday, but uh Allison suggested a book for me, a uh, cookbook, and I've cooked uh sweet potato fritters, uh spinach frittata, I had uh sweet potato hash browns. Um I'm gonna make what am I gonna make? Um, uh, I'm gonna make sweet potato mash, sweet mashed potatoes, sweet potato mash, mash sweet potatoes. Yum. <laughs> um, yeah, potatoes mash sweet mash. Yes, Welcome uh, to Podlander Drugcast <laughs> and Outlander Podcast. I'm Allison. <laughs> I'm Julie. That's Janine. Hey. And we are talking about uh, episode eight of season five of Outlander, famous last words. Um, uh, an episode that is, I think, gonna provoke some very strong reactions on both sides of the scale and i think agreed uh, probably like even internally i would bet that there are quite a few of you who fervently hated some parts of it and absolutely loved others um and i my perspective is a little bit different um because you know i'm always watching this stuff both as a critic and a fan um but certainly I think the good outweighs the bad, but the but the bad is like of the bird bunny variety. Yes, it is. You know, it's like the that's the fiery cross. It's like <laughs> that. <laughs> um it's uh it's extremely mustachy. Um and I'm I'm curious to know what you think of it. We will uh, like I said, be doing some additional in the book stuff later this week. And did I say that on the pod or before we start recording? I think before we started recording. Okay. We're going to do uh, on Crowdcast, and I'll make this open to everybody. Um, it'll So it'll be posted on our Patreon page, but I won't lock it down. Uh, we'll do a Crowdcast for in the books chat um, uh, because we were limited on time today. And there's a lot to be discussed. There's one, and I'm going to go ahead and... Nope, we'll save it. There's one very big adaptation choice that works incredibly well, um, which I'm excited to talk about and get into, and is the big strength of the episode, I think, besides the fact that Richard Rankin is a fucking boss. Yeah. He, he is... He could get an Emmy nomination out of this. He really, really? could. Very, very, oh, very damn. well. Yes. Very well. And it's and it's showy in the way... Well, the, let me take that back. The performance is not showy. The performance is really grounded and honest and restrained in a way the episode is not. But it's a sort of... It's got a hurdle that is attractive to awards voters. Also, Janine, Roger's yeah. not dead. <laughs> Um, Roger was never going to be dead. I just, I like, I I wanted to find a way to sort of preserve the suspense for Julie. So, well, I mean, to be honest, at the end of last episode, I could see that one of his hands was up by his neck. So I figured that he'd gotten his hand up there somehow. Yeah. Yeah, Which is a, was straight from the mix. That's right from the books that he sort of claws. And I I think his hand winds up all mangled too. I think I was dreading this episode because I was worried he was dead. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he mm-hmm. he's not dead. Thank God, um, he's alive. Also, Jeez. we we called a couple of things. We successfully called that this week we would be filling in the blanks of what happened from when we see Roger get knocked out and when they find him hanging from the tree. Uh, in fact, over and over and over again, we saw yes. what happened in between. I wish I would have counted. It had to have been at least twenty, right? And Jesus, you know, I think. A lot, a lot of it worked, uh, but the shorter ones definitely worked better. Like For when they sure. were just little flashes, it worked really well. And we'll get into what those looked like, Janine, in a minute. That's where your oh shit's going to come from. <laughs> okay. um, but also, we called that Darling Clementine would come back, and again, it came back like twenty-seven times. Um, <laughs> Diminishing returns, sometimes yes. very good. As it happens, Sophie Skelton has a beautiful singing voice. That was a nice discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one scene uh, with Richard Rankin that I thought was great that involved the song. Uh, and then there's my, like my second least favorite line in the history of Outlander, <laughs> which involves yes. the song. So, oh my God. Um, yeah, so let's let's get into this, shall we? Julie, where where do we start? We st- we have a cold, an actual cold open. Yes, this, this week. one was a real cold open, and it was Roger in the '60s at is he at Oxford, Oxford. or Harvard? Oxford. Oxford, Oxford. He's at Oxford teaching, I guess, history, right? History, yeah. And he's really kind of browbeating his students in a way that it's was weird. a little bit uncomfortable. It's and I strange. was like, Roger, why are you such a fucking dick? Like he was. Teasing them and oh, prodding Julie, them and great ugh. minds. I said that out loud during the cast. I was like, "Come on, Roger, don't be a dick." Yeah. <laughs> I, I, what did I write here? R- Roger's kind of a nightmare professor. Like, <laughs> like asking yeah, you it, the same question in different ways, three different times, pas- more passive aggressively every time to try and prove his point instead of just telling you why you were wrong or why your answer was not sufficient. Also, at one point, he's like, well, then why don't you just leave? And I was like, boss, peace, deuces, I'm out. Like, do you have any idea how expensive this school is? I'm not just leaving. I don't want to stay for this abuse. Anyway, he's kind of being all cute about it. And then he sees Bree come in and sit in the back of the room and he gets even cuter about it because now he's performing. I mean, he is. I'll be clear there. Uh, he is pretty cute. Um, like he looks good. He's mm-hmm. rocking. He's rocking the turtleneck blazer mm-hmm. combo that no one can rock except he looks for pretty good. Yeah, the few who can. And he looks great. Um, and it's a good performance. And thematically, it's important because his history students are writing essays on the famous last words of various historical figures, apparently, or last words in general. Um, so he is interested in very clearly in etymology and. Um, uh, the importance of words in history and the things he's saying are interesting. It's just the way he's going about him. He's being a real dick. A little smart. Um, in his defense, I would also be furious if I asked my Oxford students to write a paper on famous last words and one of them misquoted Julius Caesar and yes. the other used the phrase bury the hatchet and didn't know what it meant. I would also be mad. Yeah, I would be a little pissed too. <laughs> but maybe not um, quite as smarmy. But then I yeah, did. Maybe there not was such a, a dick about it. There, yes, there was a great opportunity for um, a bit here, you guys. So he asked the kids finally, what would your last words be? Think about, you may not get to say them to who you want to say. Then he gets all prof- professorial about it. So, Allison, what would your last words be? Mm. Well, I mean, I'm assuming you want a joke. <laughs> No, it can be whatever. Like, mine ended up being a joke, but it's also actually really true. Okay. Um, I mean, I think they would probably be, Julie, why did you do it? 
Perfect. <laughs> and Aaron, I'm sorry, who is that? Janine, what do you think your last words might be? Who am I? Perfect. <laughs> and then mine, and I wrote this with my pen without stopping, no pausing. I knew exactly what it would be. Van Hagar sucks. Okay, so we get to see Roger in the past and the future being all boss with his voice, right? So that's really important. And then, oh, somebody says something about, oh, when he tells the kids that they need to come back with structured arguments, I was like, that's the way Neil fights, and I don't like that. Yeah, they, he's, that's part of his browbeating, is they ask mm-hmm. him what his last words would be, and he says, Dear Lord, I pray that my students will write structured arguments, et cetera, et cetera. And somebody in the Crowdcast chat was like, har, har, teacher jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Uh, It was very funny. Uh, But then he says, more honestly, um, uh, let my name be forgotten by history as long as my my words and my deeds live on in the hearts of those I love or something like that. It's very nice. And he looks at Brie and he smiles. And I will say it is a little bit confusing. I'm trying to figure out when on earth this would happen. There is, Oh God, I don't know. I guess Brianna goes to visit him a couple of times after her mom leaves. Mm. Uh, It's hard to figure out when for a while I thought maybe it was a fantasy. It's hard time wise. It's hard to figure out. Got Um, it. But she looks great. She's wearing some velvet pants. Uh, and then they have a nice little chat about words and love and blah blah And then they're going to a silent movie marathon. That's very important. Um, but, but please put a pin in that, Janine, because we can't just run you in there just yet. <laughs> okay. I have a question um, for everyone that please. listens to this show. When Bree said, would those really be your last words to him? I was irrationally angry. Can somebody tell me why I was so mad at that, why I hated it so much? I don't know, but I did. It was a visceral reaction. I was like, ugh! (laughs) I mean, I'll say this. Uh, No one has ever asked me that question before, because how on earth could you know what your last words were going to be when you don't Mm -hmm. know how, if, or when you're going to die? Right. Um, Like, I don't... If you've planned your last words, it's a little bit like... Um, planning your Oscar speech, and then it comes out all inauthentic. Like, <laughs> like the last thing you want is you're dying to to be Anne Hathaway saying it came true. Um, and I and love Anne forgetting Hathaway. Don't your get spouse. me wrong, right? Yeah. Like, don't you don't want to you don't want to over rehearse your famous last words, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so, Allison, if you would, because I think you're really the person who can do this better than I can about the themes and how they work. So okay. There's the silent film thing. Janine, please listen to Allison. She's got it all. Okay. All right. Um, I'm just going to sort of explain how it works in the episode with the exception of the last one, which we'll save for when it happens. Julie, do you think that makes sense? That's perfect because that's the okay. way they led us on. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's um, basically the conceit of the episode is that uh, Roger is – dealing with um, what they called shell shock or war neuroses, which is not PTSD. I actually just learned this recently Mm. um, from writing about a a World War II documentary that's on um, PBS right now on Masterpiece called World on Fire, which is very good, by the way. Um, Is that one with Helen Hunt? Yes, and she's great in it. Okay. Um, uh, And a bunch of other really good people, Um, including uh, Sean Bean, who does not die. What? Uh, (laughs) I know. That seems like a uh, at least in die, season though. one. There's going to be a season two. Um, oh, yeah. So who knows? Maybe season two. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
So uh, shell shock and PTSD are not the same thing, um, which they also use the term war neuroses. Basically, so Roger has survived. The, the episode jumps ahead three months in time after the first of these sequences I'm about to describe to you. And the conceit is that Roger is reliving the events leading up to and immediately following the hanging in the form of a silent movie. Okay. So um, the aspect ratio changes. We get that that like uneven black frame that exists on a lot of silent films. We're getting scratches as if on celluloid, um, flickering noise, like the reel spinning. Um, Subtitles. And then, yeah, and we get um, dialogue cards that yeah. are interspersed, and not wow. for all of them, right? They like but really lean into this. Holy cow. In this the first, first sequence. Yeah. yeah, the first one is the longest, and it's, I think, the least successful. The mm-hmm. whole idea is like, and we'll get into this more later, but I think it is almost brilliant, but because of the way that it's handled and because they don't know when to ease off the gas, it's just entirely too much. And I think the biggest problem with that is this first sequence for two reasons. First of all, it denies us the opportunity of just focusing on what's happening and on uh, Brie and Jamie and Claire's experience because the rest of the episode is about Roger's experience and I think most of those are at least okay and some of them are very good and the overall effect I think is really successful but this first one I mean based on the reaction of people in the slack totally turned off a lot of people um, because it's so on the nose so there we get the like we've got, oh no, Roger. And then I mean, the music's not like that, but you get what I'm saying. Um, it's like the train is coming and oh no, we have to pull him off the tracks. Um, oh, he's still breathing. So we see them find Roger as we saw at the end of the last episode, we see the shots from the last episode, this time in black and white. Um, uh, Jamie goes to pull him down and then says he's still breathing. Claire leaps into action being Claire and goes like full um, oh, frontier medicine ham. Barbie and um, gives him a tracheotomy and puts some kind of tube in his neck to open his airway. And we see him open his eyes and Brianna looks at him and says, it's me, it's Brianna. And she looks terrified, but also happy. And it's Sophie Skelton is very good in this episode. And it's, um, a lot, right? The problem is it's just nowhere near as haunting and upsetting and visceral as it should be because it's just really cute. And the bummer is that the title card is also silent filmy, right? It's like based on this books by Diana Gabaldon, um, developed for television by Ronald D. Moore. All of that stuff is in this format before the episode starts. And that works. That was a mistake. So, you like that? I think it works. I think it I works was fine. I kind of felt like it took a little bit of what could have been more successful about that first one away from it. But can you imagine if they had taken those dialogue cards out Yeah. and it was just, and we were just watching it happen silently. Yeah. Then I think it would have been fine. Like for me, mm-hmm. it really is the, it's not title card. Sorry. It really is the dialogue cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, uh, Cause as you're describing all of that, cause I'm, I, one of the first short films I made was a, was a silent film in that fashion. And it becomes a bit, there's a lot happening. It's a very different way to watch a story unfold. And so to kind of, it seems jarring and it doesn't allow you to connect emotionally because you have to now deal with this new format. I think that's kind of the point though, from Roger's perspective, because he is unable to process these emotions. So he's watching it 
right? Yeah. He's it's like he's dissociating. And after the after huh. this first one, mixed results, but like I said, mostly better. Good. The first one yeah. is just way too much. It's, it's too, too long. long mm. And it's and it doesn't really mm. make sense because Roger wouldn't have seen um what we're seeing, right? So it's not from his perspective. We're seeing the end of the last episode, basically, mm-hmm. in, from the same perspective, but with this um, silent movie lens on it, basically. Um, it's just it's it's a mess, yeah. and it's too and it's too cute, and it's a real shame because I think a lot of what follows would have worked a lot better in an episode that is incredibly ambitious. And even if you remove this aspect of it, which is really ambitious and I, and when it works, it's really effective. Yeah. Um, the, the very last one, which is different, I think is pretty effective. The one before it is the best, mm-hmm. um, which, and they get progressively shorter and choppier and the That's shorter and I choppier liked. they are. The, yeah. The I liked it when are. it was just the, the boots and the sound. That one yeah. was or, and to the, me. And the burlap, right? Oh, the, and, yeah, and the ooh. rope. When he first touches that rope, just that memory of the rope, too, was very effective. Yep. But it was all the ones that I liked were very short, like they short. were shocks. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the shots that we see over and over again is we see a foot kicking a barrel out from a... Oh, you know what, Janine? Really quick, what actually happened. So we see... Uh, Graham McTavish is in this episode again. We see him... Um, sort of explaining again in these dialogue cards what they're going to do. He says, here's another traitor for you, and Governor Tryon is there, and he says to his pompous number two guy, pick three to serve as an example. They pick Roger, who has a gag in his mouth and can't speak up. They they also show Buck... um, taking his little rosette and wearing it so that they think that he is in the militia um, and he gets away. Uh, and then they hang them and Roger's last. So we see one guy fall. We see another guy fall. Nobody shits their pants. Very disappointing. Right. Um, which happens in the books. We It's all from Roger's POV. It's extremely upsetting. And he feels, I mean, he feels himself dying. Like he feels mm-hmm. um, his bowels releasing like he feels himself dying and then essentially comes back to life because claire saves his life so um the oxygen is cut off from his brain for like quite a while um and it's and it's like frankly a miracle that they're able to bring him back luckily uh the best doctor in the entire world (laughs) it just (laughs) happens to be be which is very lucky um uh it's uh yeah, anyway, um, so that is what happened. So we see all of that. We see the Roger's perspective on it, and then we jump forward three months in time. Oh, that's what I was saying. The, so the good sh- we see the barrel being kicked. We see um, f- from inside the burlap sack on his head from his perspective, we see his eyes, in again, inside the burlap sack, so we see, like, that pattern on them, and all of that stuff is... It's really beautifully shot. Like, it's very, very well-directed. It's just... Too much. Too much. And if it weren't right at the top, maybe it would work, right? Like mm. maybe if it was little flashes, little flashes, little flashes, even if it was reversed, even if it was like short and they get longer, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like Some sort of build, something to get you there. Yeah, because yeah. we get another long one. The very last one is another long one. So like even if they had just chopped off most of this first one and it had just been little shots and then we had sort of gradually built to the whole picture, I think that would have worked better too. Instead, it's just like this one is so cutesy that it's distressing because the scene itself is so horrific. 
So then we mm-hmm. jump forward three months in time um, on Richard Rankin's haunted fucking face. Yeah, man. And I know we've already said this, but Jesus Christ, he's so good in this episode. It might <laughs> be, good. it's like right up there with the like the very best Tobias Menzies moments in the show. Um, I mean, granted, we're right, we're coming right off of it, but might be the single best one hour performance by anybody in the cast so far. Wow. Might did very well. There wow. was one moment where he, when he would try to set talk or whatever, you could feel that he had the impulse to speak to Brie and then stopped. And that happened once again, maybe two times too many. Um, where he did this thing where he just went, uh, psych. And I was like, okay, that one, <laughs> that one was a little much, but I just think they, he had to do that exact thing maybe two times too many, but overall yeah. he was so fucking good. So fucking good. Very and quiet. It, all in his eyes. You could feel it in his body too, because he did a lot yeah. of physical labor to try to work out his demons. And so mm. he's got this whole physical thing going on too. It was good. It was, it's like, the thing that Julie is talking about where every time he would try to speak, the thing that's so impressive about it is that you can tell, you can tell that Richard Rankin, the actor knew exactly what Roger was going to say and started to say it and then stopped. He's not playing like, Oh, I'm going to say something then I'm stopped. It's a thought in process. And then he still has the thought and the thought gets truncated by his unwillingness to use this ravaged voice. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause he was fucking hanging from his neck for who knows how long it's it, it. even if it's one or two times too many, it's incredibly well done. A lot mm-hmm. of actors would have just played like, uh, no, right? And instead, it's you can tell. You can, like Julie said, you can see the impulse to speak, and you can tell he knows exactly what he was going to say, and then he just doesn't. It's mm-hmm. really good. Um, he also just moves differently. Like all of it's different. It's a really, really, really good, subtle, mostly wordless performance. Yeah. Um, just like, and that's what I mean by the kind of thing that awards giving bodies really love because it's just, it's, it's very, very impressive. There was a visual moment that I thought was cute. I don't know. Cute is not the right word, but maybe it was a bit, a bit over the top where we see him for the first time from behind. And have we ever seen that he wears a lace up vest too, because it immediately linked him in my mind to Jamie yeah, and by and to Cornish Game Hen, right? Right, right. Yeah, so I saw like, that and I was like, oh, I think that that was probably on purpose. And it was a shame that I felt like that was probably on purpose, but it was still cool. I was like, yeah, oh, all right, okay. Yeah. Oh, see, I liked it. I think the co- well, I mean, there's well, a costume this episode that we will talk about. Oh, for sure. But, um, I, I, I did like it, but I felt like it was. Or maybe I just, I, I, my mood today is all fucked up. As everybody knows that I had the fucking problems trying to log in. But I like, I could never really connect. I couldn't connect until the very end. Hmm. So I think maybe I saw it and I was like, oh, mm, they really put that out there for you, didn't they? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> they definitely, there's too much. I mean, it's, there's a lot of handholding. Exactly. Um, exactly. Which is too bad because, God, mm-hmm. the stuff that's good is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. 
Um, anyway, okay, so we're three months in the future, and let's get, we're literally like four minutes into the episode. Jeez, and yeah. We've got half an hour left. But we have covered, th- those flashbacks happen a lot, right? So basically yes. anytime there's a scene with Roger, um, and sometimes it'll be because, like Julie said, he feels a piece of rope and the texture comes back, or there'll be a noise or a look on somebody's face or he'll overhear something, or um, the there's a lot with his hands because the reason he survived is he stuck his hand up inside the noose, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so he'll he flashes back a lot, and they get they get progressively better. But like I said, the first one is, it's a lot. It's important to know, obviously, that he lived and how he lived and what it was like. But it's also very important to know that Tryon himself was the person that gave the order to hang him, and that appears in one of those flashbacks. So you get to see Governor Tryon actually just be like, "No, kill these dudes." So he actually is just murdering his subjects. Wow. Okay, so you see, that's important because then Tryon tries to buy him off with 5,000 acres of land, which actually kind of works. Um, we do have the discussion between Bree and Claire about uh, war neurosis, which I thought was good because you know Claire has that shit, right? Yeah. But she's just so stone-faced about it. She's just so, and maybe it's because in her capacity as a nurse, she had to see so much of people dealing with it that she just kind of shut that part down. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then yeah. when Claire said, you'll have to have faith that you'll find him, first of all, faith. Secondly, I was like, okay, Claire. Yeah. Um, there, there are some clinkers in the dialogue. And the weird thing is it felt a little bit like... On purpose. And, yeah. At the end is, of um, every scene, it felt like it was like, blop. Yeah. Truism, like it was, truism, truism. Like just buttons everywhere. Inserted. I'm just going to be direct, and this is incredibly... Um, Mm, I'm. I have zero proof of this. Let's put it that way. Okay. Uh, but what it felt like is somebody wrote an episode, and then someone I don't know who said, "Okay, but we got to make sure that our viewers really get it," and just right. inserted one extra thing at the end of every scene. Yeah. And it's always at the end. It's like there'll be a really yep. good scene, and then there's one more thing, and the one more thing is always the thing that kind Not of great. drags it down. And I still like again. I still think that ultimately, this is a a mostly successful episode, and the ways in which it fails are, for the most part, interesting. It's just these little inserts that are fr- they're frustrating. So um, what happens? And it's still yeah. Let's keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we see Jocasta singing at Murtaugh's grave. She's got a beautiful voice. She's obviously very sad. Jamie made a grave site for uh, Pamplemousse on his land. So this is where people can come to. Yeah, stack Mm. of rocks, you know, I think Gaelic, right? Um, And she sings, and then she has a scene with Jamie on the porch of the big house where they're talking about how they both miss him and how they're, you know, how they're dealing with their grief. And... I really love the moment at the very end where she gives him a hug and she says, I wish we could know which goodbyes were our last, which actually happens to be one of those clunker lines that we were just talking about. Yeah. But the reaction to it is so fucking perfect because she said that. And I inside went oof like, Oh God. And then Jamie did a physical oof by falling down on the ground of the porch. He just sat down like it had hit him so hard. He was like, oof, mm, yeah. right after yeah. I physically went oof. Oh. Well, and that and made me laugh. Maria Doyle Kennedy is just so good. She was very good in that scene. It was very, very short, but she was very good. Hmm. Yeah. 
And then so she's um, so Myrta is has this care. I would bet we get, we're going to spend a lot of time. I how long? What's the over under on how long it takes for Jamie to deliver a monologue to that Karen? Three oh, episodes? next episode. Next episode. Two episodes. Very next one. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go very one. next. I'm, I'm going very next. You say two, Janine. I'm going to say two. Okay, okay. I'll say, say three. three. You say three. three. Okay, yeah. I say next. I say episode nine. Janine says episode ten. Allison says episode eleven. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Let us know, Daphne. Let us know. Let us know, Daphne. Let us know which one we need to watch. <laughs> so, um, it's a very good scene between the two of them. And da 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 da. That's it for Myrta. <laughs> yeah. Peace. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Fuck. Well, because now we got to go down the Richard show. Oh yes, but yeah, we do get I, we get a little uh, few more minutes of Jamie trying to process his grief about Myrta. So that's nice for Sam because he gets this moment. Uh, where he's he's also de- it's like the hill of broken men right now is what Fraser's Ridge is. Oh well, and just all this—I uh, mean, it's hit me a little. I'm not even watching these things, and just the fact that we're talking about grief so much, and that that they're dealing with that, and then I can't help but think about the grief that everyone's going through. And I'm just like, right? I'm sitting here getting yeah. getting low, getting. I low, think low. that's why I got the oof after she said, Whew. "I wish we knew when we were saying our last goodbye." Yeah, which man. Is rough. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know, Janine, it might be worth watching, especially because you want to see the birthday fuck, watching birthday fuck, yeah. these two episodes because they really are sort of a two-parter. Um, seven and eight. They seem really yeah, well and paired. And, and this like, one is very interesting and the yeah. other one is very good. And this one has things that are very good, as we'll get to in a moment. Yeah. I think the easiest way, in the interest of moving things along, uh, and yeah. also because it is intentionally repetitive again in a way that's sometimes good and sometimes not is to just say like Roger is not together and Brianna is very concerned. So some highlights, um, Roger does some woodworking at last. We see someone doing some woodworking. (laughs) Um, then Lord John Gray shows up in a scene loving him. He's the one to come to tell them that Tryon wants to buy them off with this property. Yeah. And then he has this nice little scene with Brianna where he gives her an astrolabe. That's important later. It is important. What's an asteroid later? Also, oh, it's like a compass and a clock and a sundial all in one. It's really pretty. It's well, like this big grass fancy. one. Yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. That's straight from the books. I do have doesn't bring one, in person. one very specific note here that I have to share. Please. That little interstitial scene where Jamie comes in and it's Claire at night and they're talking about time heals all wounds and it's just the two of them. It's very short. Mm-hmm. There is this bowl of Granny Smith apples that has like an ethereal light from heaven aimed directly on it. And they are glowing like neon green. And I was obsessed with them. <laughs> Me too. Thank Me you. Too. I actually so wrote pretty. in all capital letters, that bowl of Granny Smith's though. <laughs> the cinematographer had that one thing. He was like, this is the one thing. Somebody got it. And I hope somebody hears us say, thank God for that bowl of apples. Cause it really brightened my day. It also distracted from the fucking opulence. Like opulence, right, they right. own everything because oh my god, it's like it's so, it's so much. They have so to much distract stuff. from the fact that they got too much shit in that house. <laughs> oh my god, it's um, it'll. This actually becomes important later. There's the 
I'm gonna I'm gonna save that observation. Remind me, crazy ex girlfriend. When we get to a, a certain entrance that is coming. Got up. it. Okay. So um, you can also tell that Roger's having a rough time because Claire says, "Would you like to come see Lord John?" And he shakes his head no. And you're like, "Who doesn't want to see that face?" I'm Damn right. Going, Everyone wants to see that face. Everyone. Um, <laughs> so we see him woodworking and crying. Um, very upsetting. Well. Brianna is singing to Jemmy. She's singing Oh My Darling Clementine. There's we one, see... one weird thing I have here. They were doing laundry for some reason. Washing those poop shirts by hand in a creek. I just had to say it. Okay. And then <laughs> they make candles. We see a lot of homesteading, which is very we nice. Do. Um, and then at one point, the, um, the grandparents come over for tea. They come with leftovers. And uh, Roger is woodworking. Oh, he's, wait, he's making stairs to the loft. And you see, it's a little funny. You see Jamie kind of roll his eyes when Brianna mentions the loft. I was like, good job, Sam. Thank you for remembering that you thought the loft was a dumb idea five episodes ago. <laughs> Um, it's like a nice little moment. Um, but while they're having this tea, Jemmy, who, by the way, is now 27 years old. Oh, uh, yeah. Why um, is he so big? <laughs> well, there was a jump in time in Kids Grow Fast, but it's uh, distracting. Woof. It Both was distracting. Jermaine and Jemmy and Adso the Cat all got much bigger. Yes. <laughs> like, they're all they're all applying for driver's permits. That's how old they are. Um <laughs> So Jemmy is like wandering around on his feet. Remember when we saw him crawling as a tiny baby like six minutes ago? He's walking around like, like, good day, mother. How are you? (laughs) Can I have a biscuit? (laughs) Might I please enjoy a small sweet bread? Like whatever the fuck. He's very uh, adult. Anyway, he's wandering around and a tea kettle is on because they're about to have tea. This is an adaptation of a very important scene from the books in which it's a campfire and not a tea kettle. Anyway, he sees the tea kettle, which is making this chirpy, chirpy noise. So he goes walking for it. And Roger, who has, again, refused to speak, presumably because it hurts, but also because his voice is basically gone and his throat is a nightmare, right? Like his fucking larynx is a hellscape. Yeah. Um, sees him going for it and yells, no, or stop, something like that. No. In like a like a horror monster voice and i want to know like which voice coach coach richard rankin worked with like how because the vocal work he does in this episode is fucking top tier for all like seven lines that he has right but this is the first time he makes any sound he it's like a croak that mixed with a scream to get jemmy to stop and Jamie hears it and cr- starts bawling because it's, it's scary. scary. Yeah. Um, and would be scary even without that voice. And so grandparents like are like, oh, holy shit. Right. And Claire just picks him up and they just leave. They don't say anything. They're like, bye. <laughs> Take the baby yeah. out. Let's get the baby so out of here. Brianna and Roger can have this conversation. And Brianna looks so joyful and hopeful. And it's like, say something else. You talked, you spoke. He Please can't. say something else. Use your voice. And he, ju- and he almost does and he just can't. It's very good. Mm-hmm. So all of this is happening. Again and again and again, Roger is very much struggling, right? Oh, my God. So, gets Jamie, yeah, Jamie and Claire are outside with the baby playing hide-and-go-seek when all of a sudden Jamie hears a snuffling in the forest and out Hold comes on. a wild boar. But before we hear the snuffling in the forest, we hear a little pa-pa, which is the sound of everyone's ovaries exploding. That is true. Because Jamie Fraser playing hide-and-seek badly 
with a tiny Terribly child. Badly. Where he's like, oh, I'm going to hide behind this tree. And, and then it's he's like a, a stick in the ground. And he's a giant. So it's just like you just see these ripped shoulders coming from behind this tiny tree. <laughs> it was it's very cute. cute. And it then all cute. of a sudden you hear a snuffling. And in the crowd cast, I went, bear suit, bear suit. <laughs> Me too. But and it's then, not, no. it's a boar in Instead, a boar suit. Instead it's a razorback. Boar Ooh. comes out. Jamie gets his knife ready to kill it. Pig and then all of a sudden, suey. <laughs> an arrow comes out of nowhere. Is that right? Shoot, Did that I is do it right? right? Oh, that shit. is right. Okay. And the arrow kills it and it falls over. And Jamie looks up and we see a Native American on the ridge, like right above. Mm. An imposing silhouette. An, imp- yeah. an imposing silhouette. Ooh. And the person <gasps> approaches and we realize, Janine, who is it? Is it is it is it the 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 badass lady? Is it the the badass? No, no. Who is it? I don't know who it is. It's Wean, dude. <gasps> fucking Wean! Oh, yeah. fucking Wean! Wean! Oh, fuck! Remember, Wean gave himself to the Mohawk so that Roger yeah. could live. So fucking Wean's been living with the Mohawk upstate for a while. And he came to, he came jaunting down just to kill a razorback. You'll back see for Jamie. why later, but yeah, fuck he's yeah. back. And Wien. he managed to save Jamie, Claire, and Jimmy's life in one arrow. Fuck yeah, Wean. Oh, and that's exciting. Before we go forward with Ian's story, Wean, I'm sorry, Ian, or what are you going to name him, Allison? We've got options. So I want to workshop this. We could go okay. with Galian. Because <laughs> okay. first he's all, a grown ass man now. Okay. He is an adult. He is no longer we. And he is also, I mean, he's looking really good. Yeah. Um, John Bell, you look great, man. Um, <laughs> you, look, you look really good. Those cheekbones are killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you look real good. So we could go Galian. We could go Wowian. And we mine go, was Hooian. Oh, I like Hooian. Hooian's <laughs> over here. God, of course you do. Hooian. <laughs> um, well, that's um, also the closest to Pig Suey, too. So. Yeah, that's and the, uh, and that's his origin story now. Mm-hmm. And then we have a um, we have a suggestion from the Crowdcast people. I think maybe this was Amanda suggested Daddy 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think is. I think that I think we'll go with Hooian. So we Hoo-ian. see, and, and then we'll just call him Hooian. So Hooian, 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 um, is wearing the most in it's so beautiful, incredible costume, like Remember best costume in a while. Jamie, uh, sorry, Jamie, fucking Aaron slash Janine. I just y- called you, you Jamie. You can call me Jamie. That's fine. I bet. I bet you like that. S- super great. So remember last <laughs> season when we got all the amazing Native American costumes and it yeah. was Terry Dresbacks last season and we were like, oh God, well here it comes again and it was, it, it was so good. Awesome. Like I could look at this costume probably for two hours and find something new every time he turned around. Fuck yeah. yeah. It was, I mean, the, the obvious conceit was it was very clearly a combination of the clothes that he was wearing when he left. Right. Like, like a very Western, um, and by Western, I mean European coat, right. Um, like a tweedish looking thing, um, pants, he's wearing boots where you can see that the toes are basically broken open, but they're leather boots. And then on top of it, so like there are pieces from his old life, but very few. And then it's just like wooden buttons and he's got um, like his dirk, but it's in this pouch around his neck and like beads and feathers and... He's got um, a mohawk. Yeah. yeah. And um, tattoos on his face and um, like a really cool silver cuff that's over his coat. Later we see a bracelet that he keeps trying to hide. Um, 
that's made out of what looks like maybe porcupine quills. Um, mm-hmm. It's just beautiful. It's the most beautiful costume. But he uh, is not like, hey, what's up? I look great, don't I? He looks fucking haunted. Like He's going haunted. through it, man. We got another broken man on the ridge. Shit. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, man. And, yeah, and the ridge needs to recruit, shit. like, now that they have two Beardsleys hunting, they can turn their attention to their most pressing need, uh, finding a qualified therapist <laughs> to come um, out here and deal to with come work on the ridge. Issues. Yeah. yeah. To, to come work on the ridge. Because so, Bree could use one, too, not just masculine issues. Bree that's needs true. one. That's true. It yeah. sounds Jamie like needs one. Marsley could really, I and mean, Marsley's doing great, but she could use a therapist. She's got some right. stuff she needs to talk out about, about Claire, having 97 children. Claire could work, mm-hmm. need one, could work. Oh, Claire, Claire's really just stuffed that shit so deep far down inside of her that it's very difficult for her to release it. <laughs> wherever, wherever her bum pack is, that's where it's at. This week, I'd emotion. like to use my time to discuss a troubling pattern I've noticed with my husband. For some reason... <laughs> Every time we get into an argument, I feel the need to hit him, and then we fuck. I don't know what it is. It's there almost as though... something there. Something, something. I feel as though there's something missing. Like, perhaps in the novel version of our lives, there's more build-up to these moments. But instead, it just comes across like I get really turned on by hitting him across the face. Could we unpack that? <laughs> That's what Claire needs it for. That's what Claire oh. needs it for. Yes. Yeah. So who, uh, you know who else needs a therapist? Fucking Matthew B. Roberts. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, Patty. <laughs> so they bring Wean up to the house, and he looks at the big house, and I said, "Who Wean speaks for all of us when he says it's big." He looks, and I think some of this might be a little bit colored by what's going on in the world right now, um, because he certainly looks shocked. And it reminds God. Sorry to get intense for a second, but it reminded me my. Um, uh, I won't be too specific. Somebody I dated for quite a while, a zillion years ago, um, was a veteran, um, and at the time was um, a reservist who was called up to active duty uh, because of the war in Iraq and did several tours of duty. And he, when he came back the first time, um, had a like a total breakdown the first time he went in a grocery store mm. because it was because of all of the excess and the bright light and there was just so much of everything and it was so plentiful and there were so many people and it was so loud and bright. Um, and he, and he couldn't handle it. Um, mm. and it reminded me of that. I mean, he looked just like that, right? Yeah. Like it was, it's completely, you can tell it's completely foreign to him, but in this moment, it also looked like he was kind of disgusted by it. Yes. <laughs> like he was like, cause you know what? It looks like Claire and Jamie have been hoarding toilet paper. Exactly. <laughs> like, like that is what it's like. Like it's there's so and at one point he's like, luckily we, Claire's like, luckily we had the help of the settlers. I'm like, yeah, and what why do you think we don't see a single other house? Like, where is their food? Where are the crops? Where is everybody living? How because you had what to have their fucking it? arched windows and shiny red shutters at one point in the How old is that crowd cast? I was like, why why do they have siding? It's like yeah. siding. Like where they have six different porches. They have a there's a port. Even Brianna and Roger's cabin is now like hanging plants and a porch swing. And I'm like, where the fuck? Like you're on the you're in the wilderness. Shouldn't you be spending six days trying to get a single rock out of the field? Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? Where where is this place? It's too much. It's too much. There's shit everywhere. And Huyen's mm. just like fuck this. And he and he goes, it's big. 
And at one point, Claire tells him, you can have, the, our guest quarters isn't finished yet. I'm not, I'm not paraphrasing. Our guest quarters isn't finished yet, but you can have the bed in the kitchen. And I was like, oh, so he'll have a pallet by a fire. No, it is a double bed, a full fucking double bed with like a quilt and everything in this like beautiful green paneled section of their yes. palatial fucking kitchen. It's bizarre. Jesus. It's way past a nook. Yeah. It's way yeah. past a nook. And he takes one look at it and is like, nope. And then nope. Jamie finds him sleeping on the porch. Mm-hmm. So to move, because also, again, this is, it's a lot of repetition. And in this case, zero complaints. Um, and John Bell is also very, this is Richard Rankin's episode, but John Bell is also very, very good in it. Yeah. You can just see they have a dinner and Fergus and Marsley are real and all cute and fun and want to ask him about his adventures. And he says, no, they say, don't leave anything out. And he says, well, the beginning of the story, you know, and the end of the story we're eating because they're eating the fucking wild boar. He also said at one point, Claire's like, Marsley could slaughter the boar. And he's like, no, I killed it. I should do it. No affect. Right. He, Jamie hugs him and he doesn't really hug back. He is not doing well. And then Jamie nope. finds him sleeping in one of, one of the like six porches. And again, I'm not exaggerating. This porch seems to be separating two separate portions of the house. <laughs> it's true. And I know what that's called. Okay. Hit me. That is called a dog trot. Wow. It was dog in order trot. for airflow to be in, in larger houses like that. Older houses. It was so air could flow through more efficiently. Wow dog trot mm-hmm. i learned something new so mm-hmm. he's sleeping in the dog trot and jamie tries to talk to him and ian says like i did not have the words right um and jamie says well then do you mind if i just sit here for a minute and he says no i didn't mind and god john bell is really fucking good so they just kind of sit quietly and it's very obvious that that um who ian is going through it yeah so at a certain point and that happens again and again you just keep seeing evidence that um that who Ian is doing very poorly and the best indication of this, and we're jumping around in time a lot because this episode is just really weird. Um, is when he first shows up at the Ridge with Claire and Jamie and, um, and Jem Bree comes out and is so excited to see him and looks really happy. And then Roger comes out and they have the best wordless exchange. That is like, it's like, it's good. There are a million things in it. The first phase is the two of them sort of sizing each other up because Ian is, you know, partially, largely even responsible for what happened to Roger last season, right? Yeah. Like Ian mm-hmm. is the one um, who <laughs> first alerted Jamie to the crazy man that Lizzie was like, oh God, the monster that raped Brianna is here. Um, and he went running to Jamie and then was a part of that whole thing. So that's part of it. Then there's the fact that Ian traded his life for Rogers, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that Roger could leave. And then, it, so that's like the first half and they just kind of stare at each other. And then it's like, they immediately recognize that they're both in the shit. Yes. It's, it's, I, Julie, am I describing it right? No, it's perfect because there's a moment where you can't tell whether or not they're going to grab each other and like, fight but then it's not that it's like there's this really aggressive first second and then it fades right away because they both can see the brokenness inside the other person Hmm. and then they hug and it's like it's the best hug 
It's fucking incredible. Uh, did I write that down? I was like, oh, they hug each other, and why am I sobbing? Yes, Ian and Roger, big hug, and I'm sobbing. Yeah, <laughs> incredible, incredible. Um, so basically, the this first half of Roger's, all of his flashbacks and Ian's obvious torment um, hits a middle point where Jamie maneuvers things so that Roger and Ian together with some sort of instinct that he knows they just need to be away from everything sends them out with the astrolabe to mark off Roger's hey I'm sorry I hanged you land yeah right Mm -hmm. his 5,000 acres um, of like sorry about your um, perilous experience that's going to traumatize you for the rest of your life have some trees Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> always trying it. He's always There's trying it. Some, some good something. tree porn. So they set off together into the woods to measure the land. And we basically don't see anybody on the ridge after that. Um, oh, we forgot about the tarot cards. That it's, We'll talk about all of this shit more later because we're running short on time and I want to get to the good stuff. Um, but Marsley reads Roger's tarot and he gets the hangman twice. And it's, Twice. Oh, fuck. Because again... The once. All we needed was the once. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twice was a little like, but it's when twice. she dealt him again and he was about to turn it over, I was like, please, dear God, no. And then it was. Oh, and I was like, come I on. I said out loud, oh God, we're going to get the hanged man again. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect <laughs> illustration. Just come on. One would have been enough. Perfect illustration of exactly the point that we were talking about earlier. One yeah. is enough. Two is too many. But Lauren Lyle is so fucking good in that scene. She's she great. She has two, two, maybe three really good scenes. So mm-hmm. they head off and like maybe the last scene or I guess there are two little scenes we see at the Ridge. One is Marsley realizes or Claire realizes that Hemlock is missing from her surgery. Ooh. I have a note here. It says Fraser's Ridge. Hemlock is missing. Don't don't don. Totally. Um, and Marsley's <laughs> like, I wouldn't touch it. I'm uh, Oh, by the way, Marsley is insanely pregnant again. Gosh. Yeah. Um, insanely uh, pregnant. Fergus. And then um, yeah. <laughs> Claire asks Jamie if she thinks Roger would harm himself and specifically says, you know, back, back in the day, you didn't want to go on anymore. Do you think that that is what is going on with Roger? And Jamie just looks really worried. And that's about all we get. It's a good little scene, but that's about all we get. So the episode is definitely setting up that Roger took this hemlock. There is one moment that I need to bring up and it was another, it's like a green apple moment. Okay. Um, when they cut back to Roger and, who we in by the fire and it's Roger. He fell asleep. He had the dream again. He wakes up and we in is who we in is playing with the astrolabe. And he goes, were you dreaming wherever you thought you were? We're both still here. And he's like staring at Roger while he says it, but he's got the astrolabe in front of his face. And then he serves the sickest profile. He just goes "Uh," (laughs) towards the astrolabe. And it was, it was um, drag worthy. I thought gag worthy. Yeah, gag worthy. Um, so they just have like a very sad bromance where Ian just kind of talks and is very um, not fussy, right? Like he's not coddling Roger at all, but certainly is focused on what is going on with him. And Roger, of course, doesn't speak, but there's a lot of nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. And they just trek through the woods and camp and like, communicate mostly silently and 
it's really wonderful. And then, and by wonderful, I mean horrible, but like really mm-hmm. well done. And it's beautiful. Uh, like the sun coming through the trees. Oh, and like, yeah. It's just, I mean, it makes the woods look like the haven that it must feel to both of them at the moment. Yeah. Right? Like mm-hmm. it's obviously sort of healing. Yeah. And then they end up at this cliff. And, Ro- and there's this gorgeous shot. Roger is just staring down the cliff, and he has another one of his flashbacks. And this time, this is the important one, it yep. starts to change. And it's first, it shows Tryon, and you hear him say something. And then we get more scratches on the celluloid, and then it fades into color, but we're still seeing it as through the burlap sack. Mm-hmm. And then we get the memory in more detail. So all of the things we've seen many times happen in sequence, but quickly. Um, And there's this one really incredible shot where we see his eyes go bloodshot. And by bloodshot, I mean like not red, like, like pools of blood explode in his eyes. Oh wow. And it's fucking incredible. Incredible. It was, it was very intense. (laughs) And it's just Richard Rankin's eye. You're just seeing his eyes and it's, it's really, really good. And I just, I can't, it makes me so, so frustrated to think because it's really effective how much more effective it would have been if we hadn't been fucking coddled at the beginning, right? (laughs) Like if we had just seen all of these bits and pieces and then they had come together, but he's standing on this cliff, staring down, very obviously thinking about throwing himself over the edge. And then we see this shit happen to his eyes and we see his feet kicking and we see his fingers scrabbling on the rope. It's amazing. And then he, gets this flash like obviously about to die flash that's just Brianna smiling at him from like across a kitchen table or something and we see Ian watching him staring down this cliff cliff while he's having this flashback and it's very it's very intense did Julie did that one work for you yes I liked that one I thought that that one was the most important one and that maybe if they, if the very first one that had been stretched out so long was about half the length and they only had maybe four other flashes between instead of literally like 20, mm. mm-hmm. it would have been way more effective. This one was the one that needed to be there. Yeah. I don't think yeah. they needed to have it happen as many times for the interstitial ones and the first one didn't need to be as long. But oh, this one was cool. And the makeup, whatever they fucking did to his eyeballs was incredible. Fucking A, man. Uh, yeah. But we see that his last thing was Bree, and so he decides to live, right? He's like, yeah, okay, I got something to live for. So he goes back to the campsite, and there's Wean cooking up some hemlock. Oh, See, we no, were, we're skipping ahead. So we're skipping ahead a little bit, because... For before we see Wean cooking the hemlock, Roger goes to sleep and he wakes up. And Rollo, by the way, Rollo's back. I can't believe we skipped this. The very Fucking good dog is Rollo. back. Yeah, Rollo's back. Well, so a lot he going sees on that here. Rollo is whining and he's tied mm, up. Mm-hmm. Right. So Roger is like, "Uh, what the fuck?" So he goes looking for Wean, but we find Wean first because we are better at searching than Roger is, and he's <laughs> he's burying his hatchet, which I think. That, like this really shouldn't work. It should be entirely too much. But John Bell is so good that I honestly think it does. So he's burying his hatchet, and then he's got a little campfire going, and then he takes the fucking hemlock out of his pocket, mm-hmm. and he puts it in a little pan, and he starts cooking it, and a fucking his face is just a wasteland, and it is so upsetting. And then Roger comes flying in and just drop kicks the pan of hemlock and John Bell looks at him 
just like devastated and angry and horrified and leaps on him. And then they have this very intense conversation face to face in the dirt where Ian is like, why would you do that? I watched you think about dying. Why would you stop me from dying? Neither of us wants to be here anymore. And that is when Roger starts to speak. And it is so fucking good. Yeah, man. That's I did have a moment when Huwian attacked and jumped on him where I was like, is this a William Blake situation where we're just getting a lot of dudes out in the woods to fight each other until they feel feelings? But they really did <laughs> go for it. Man. Yeah. And now, I mean, this scene is worth more discussion. Um, I don't have much time left, but yeah. it was so good. And now we know that Roger can speak again. He remembers why. He wants to fight for their marriage. We find out that Huwian had a woman. It's never really stated whether or not she was his wife, and I don't know if that was part of the custom of the Mohawk or not, but it was definitely somebody he loved, and she is no longer part of him or with him. She's not dead, but lost to him somehow is what he says, and I think the bracelet probably has something to do with that, right, Allison? Yeah, we'll learn more about that in the future, I'm sure. Ian's backstory Mm -hmm. is it's a whole thing. And I will say in the books, um, it takes him quite a while to confide. Um, There are some other little things worth mentioning, but um, there he also mentions in a couple of conversations, mostly both with Roger and with Marsley earlier. um, You know what? Never mind. I'm going to sit on that. Keep going. Okay. Um, But. As I said, I don't have a lot of time, so I'm trying to rush through it a little bit. Um, Roger comes. They both come back to the ridge. They come riding over the ridge. Roger shows up at home. Bree's happy to see him. She turns and looks at him, and he just starts talking to her, and she's so happy, right, that he's talking again. And then he has a whisper monologue. That's all I wrote. Yeah. But it's about him saying how he's never going to be the same, but she was the last thing he saw. It's... um that the everyone wants the old Roger McKenzie back, but he he died um, mm-hmm. in that part now, of me died I, out there. I did that tarot card reading, and that's what I am now. I'm the hanged man, and God, mm-hmm. it uh, this is another thing that like probably shouldn't work, but Richard Rankin is so good that it really did. Like it really worked for me. Where I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. But he's, he it, did. It's also about acceptance. It's fucking oh. great. He did a great job in the scene. And then what do they do but fucking miff it right away by underscoring their touching hug and kiss with the Clementine in the scoring. Oh, God, we skipped the worst line, too. In one of the conversations where Brie is laying down the law, we skipped all kinds of shit that was too much. Brie made him a paper airplane. That's too much. God, I forgot about that. And, but in an earlier, that's like that, hey, I love you, I made you a present, it's a paper airplane, and it soars, but it doesn't, it shouldn't be able to fly, and it does, and paper anniversary, blah, 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 too much. Um, but even though Sophie is really good in it. But also, they have another tough love conversation where she says, are you lost and gone forever? And I wanted to die. Oh, that's yeah. Oh you did mention that at the beginning, but we forgot to mention yeah. that. Oh, God. Yes. It's, it's bad. That. Yes, Janine, it happened. <laughs> somebody in the crowd cast... <laughs> Somebody in the crowd cast mentioned that it was like that a lot of the that a lot of this excess in the episode was like um, uh, the Lord John Gray. So was I that line over and over and over again. It's that factor. And the problem is and I will talk about this more in the little in the books thing that we're going to do. But the problem is that when you 
put all of it, right? Like when you put too much on, when you put all of it out there, you don't actually leave any room for the audience, right? You're like, yeah. there's the old acting expression, feel 10 or feel seven, show 10, or no, I'm sorry, feel 10, show seven. There we go. Yeah. Um, and the show never does that. The, the show feels 10 and shows 12. And then yes. there's no room for us. <laughs> so, so in moments like that, like it, we didn't need it. We didn't need the are you lost and gone forever. We didn't need the Clementine underscoring their I conversation. I almost turned the television off when the underscoring started. I was like, no, what the fuck? Too Come much. On. It's way too much. And and the actors are so good that it feels like a little bit insulting to them and us, yes. right? Yes. Like, first of all, you have to trust that people can just react to art however they see fit. You cannot handhold them. If you do, you're cheapening the experience by taking away from them the ability to sort of feel things on their own instead of just manipulating them into feeling exactly what you think they should be feeling. Let yes. them get there themselves. That's why, that, like, that's the whole point is to experience it and to make that empathetic connection. Like, films and television and and fiction in general, like novels also, it's all about empathy. It's all about your emotional life connecting to the emotional life of the story. And the outlander too often removes Shows our ability to do that. Like yeah. I'm already doing it and then it goes farther. And so then it's like, and I'm it not always necessary. makes me cringe. It always yeah. makes me cringe when they do it. And in an episode like this one, like miraculously, the last episode did very little of that. This one, it's, it's too bad because even with the too much at the top, like even if the silent film thing didn't work for you, right? Which some of it I think works really well. Some is just okay. And that first bit is a real mess. Um, even if it didn't work for you, then it's an interesting artistic, I don't know about choice. failure, but like choice. whether you like it or not <laughs> choice. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's, it is very interesting. It's a big swing stylistically, which is never a bad thing even if it doesn't work yeah. it means there's still blood pumping through the show that's very good and important but when things like that happen like are you lost and gone forever it's just oh, a little bit God, insulting it makes me want to like throw up actually it I even watch it I'm just it. like fuck that and then guess what <laughs> after their beautiful scene after he's spoken to her again and we realize that they're going to move forward with their lives whatever we get First of all, we have that terrible underscoring, which I already mentioned. And then there's the blackout and the credits start rolling and it's no music, silence. And then fucking Richard Rankin starts singing Darling Clementine. And then <sighs> Sophie Skelton joins him. So they didn't, while he didn't sing the actual theme song to the show, which Allison predicted, he did fucking sing us out. Yeah, and I yeah. honestly would not have minded that if they hadn't done the underscoring. Yeah, if the underscoring also, yeah, there, the I would other? have been okay with that too. Yeah. Like that, One that's of the another nice. scene... Yeah. And there's another scene that we skipped where we see Roger playing on his guitar and he's playing um, Oh My Darling Clementine, which he had just heard Bree singing to Jemmy. And he's like whisper singing it, but like nowhere near as strong a whisper as we get at the end because he's just not using his voice. So it's like it doesn't exist anymore. And it's very, very, very good. Mm. But again, if they had just removed one or two of those things, the rest Remove of them the would have underscoring. been certainly the underscore and the line. The line has got to go. The line yes. is just like, Jesus. Yes. The line and the underscoring. Those if things. those two things had gone, I would not have been so disgusted just, by it coming back under the credits. It's like well, they came it into our house and shit moving. on our carpet. Jesus. <laughs> it's too so much. There was some really, Allison's totally right, though. There was some really cool shit in this episode and some great acting, but it just did feel like you got a banana split and you're so excited about it, but on top of that banana split is like also a short stack of pancakes and then a waffle. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like just too much. They're all good it's like, things, but there's too much. No, it's like it's like you've got a stack of pancakes, and someone is like, "Do you want some syrup?" And you say yes, and they start pouring the syrup, and then you say that's enough, and they just keep going, and you say no, that's enough, and then they just keep With going. Dead and eye then contact. Finally, yes. like, yes. you have a table covered in maple syrup, and your pancakes are totally inedible. It's like it's like that, mm-hmm. and. And I don't want to diminish the things that this episode does well, because I think there, and there, again, there's so much more to say. Frankly, we'll probably find a way to talk about this some more since this episode is a little brief and I'll talk about the book stuff. Um, because as a little teaser, since I didn't want to spoil it for you, Janine earlier, um, Ian doesn't come back until much later in the books. They moved it forward Mm -hmm. because Roger, Ian, I'm sorry, in the books. Um, they moved it forward because Roger does go off with that astrolabe, but he goes by his by himself. So mm. the thing that's so brilliant about this is that Ian does come back with this hurt, with this ache, right? Um, only he's a little bit better at hiding it. And um, and the reunion is much happier in the book. Like you can tell that he's going through something, but it's but he comes back more upbeat. This makes it so that first of all, Roger's trip through the woods isn't just him having feelings, which is yeah. great. He has somebody Thank to talk you. to. Second, yeah. by drawing out the thing that they're both the things they're both dealing with, it deepens both of them and it makes it so that neither of them is totally alone in their aloneness, right? They're isolated together. They're suffering together. And it's incredibly moving and just like a re- I think a really brilliant adaptation choice. So we're gonna talk we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some other things. Um and I mean, honestly, like I said, we'll probably talk about this episode some more next week because there's so much going on. Um, but for now, we'll, I guess we'll just kind of wrap up. And frankly, mm-hmm. you know, let me say one more thing about <laughs> Mr. Matthew B. Roberts because I'm about to, I am about to say that I think I want to watch this one again before we talk about it again. And I want to be very clear <laughs> that that is not because I did not understand it. Oh my God, I was so <laughs> mad at him. It's not Janine. because I did not appreciate it, and it's not because I need to be convinced. It's because I want to be able to articulate my thoughts clearly and to appreciate the terrific performances and the incredible direction and the mostly very good writing with these weird tags on the end. Gee, I wonder where those came from. That mm-hmm. is what I want to rewatch it for. In the the thing where they talk about what happened inside the episode, Janine, yeah. Matthew B. Roberts defensively says, you know, it's a little bit different for us. So before you form any reactions, I think you just, this is one you're going to want to watch it, stop, take a breath and watch it again. So you can really understand what we're trying to do. He says, I want you to watch it again in case you missed something. And I was like, how could we fucking miss it when every single theme you repeat six times? This guy it's, sounds like he he doesn't know how to take any sort of chance. Is what it feels I like. I think <laughs> I think what it is is he underestimating the intelligence wants, of his audience. That's exactly sure. yeah. wants to take chances, but as has been clear in a couple of, I think maybe I just shouldn't watch these anymore because they always make me. <laughs> they do get <laughs> my blood up. They get as, my blood up. Has been clear in a couple of these. He just there like there was the one where he said women love romance and men love to be romantic, which is Fuck first of all that. incredibly reductive about gender and relationships and sexuality and all kinds. It's incredibly reductive um, yeah. and boring, right? Second, like, what the fuck? Are you saying that women can't write romance? Because do you know who wrote these books? You giant <laughs> asshole. Like, I don't understand. And this is another, when he said that, I was like, 
I mean, that explains all of the big problems with this episode. It's that you thought you needed to explain to us what you were doing. And maybe everybody isn't going to get it, but Jesus fucking Christ, Twin Peaks was a huge hit. You fuck. Like, people don't need to have shit explained to them. And if people don't get everything, then that's what having conversations and reading criticism and, yes, watching it again is for. You don't need to over-explain it. And you certainly do not need to imply that the only way to appreciate the wonderful thing you just made is to watch it twice. Because people can do whatever the fuck they want. They can have any emotional reaction to your shit that they want. It is okay if they don't like it. It's okay if they love it. It's okay if their interpretation is different than yours stop trying to tell the outlander fandom how they should feel about anything stop trying to make sure that we all fit into some tiny emotional box and stop undercutting one of the best acting ensembles on television by making them say shit that they shouldn't have to say because they're already doing the damn job with their face mic drop yes thanks guys that was really Um, good I think we should I think we should fastest fastest scales ever are you ready Julie and oh my god get you the I gotta door. go she has to go really fast um costumes on a scale of um a black box production of last of the Mohicans <laughs> and this incredible costume that Ian was wearing where does it fit on the scale this incredible costume that Ian was wearing <laughs> we Ian. okay um <laughs> sex scale on a scale from Ugh. um Richard Rankin's uh v- uh v- droopy sad face to um jamie hiding behind a tree <laughs> where does it fall i wish i could say jamie hiding behind a tree but instead i'm gonna go with richard rankin's sad droopy face and just no it's sex. a beautiful face but it yeah. was mm-hmm. it, not it was a very sexy sad episode. droopy it was super droopy <laughs> okay and on a scale of lying on the ground staring into the distance because I'm so sad and sitting up and realizing the dog is whining because somebody is boiling hemlock several trees <laughs> over. Where does this fit on, sit on the I have to get up scale? I, did, I only, this sits at the um, Roku stopped working so I had to stop. <laughs> <laughs> this, sit, this sits squarely within the realm of technology betrayed me. So I had to stop. <laughs> oh, man. So that's Boy. it. I'm going to um, give it Blade Runner, in other words. Okay. And who is mm-hmm. your, the answer to this is pretty obvious, but who is your golden pample moose? I mean, it's got to be Richard Rankin. Rolo? Yeah. <laughs> Rolo did look good. <laughs> Rolo and Adso. Roly poly Adso. They um, looked real good. Uh, no, you, you know what? Richard. Fucking, Richard. It's Richard Rankin. I mean, it yeah. like is very clearly Richard Rankin, but everybody was good. Everybody, Everybody had good going. moments. It's true. But yeah. Richard Rankin like, really was great. Yeah. Um, and right. his scenes, I'm so glad that John Bell is back. Uh, Julie, I'll do the end stuff with Janine. You take off. Okay. Just don't close your browser window. I will not. And I understand exactly what that means. <laughs> Signing off, Grandma. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> um, so we want to thank everybody. Thank God we can finally talk about Julie behind her back. That fucking bitch. <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, just kidding um we want to thank all of our patrons for, well no i'm getting ahead of myself god damn it julie leaves and it all falls apart janine I'm how are you doing i'm you know <laughs> welcome to podlander drunk cast no, kind of <laughs> we're so disoriented by this episode that we can barely function okay um thank you so much for listening to the show 
it's so much fun for us to do, and we hope it's fun for you to listen for, uh, to listen for, listen to. I also, since this is the first new episode we've recorded since it happened, want to thank everybody who came to the wake. Which that was we can so much fun. Wake. It was just like, like surprisingly affirming. Like it made me feel better about the world, but it was also really funny and silly and wonderful. And thank you for sharing your time and your talents, some of you, and your thoughts and your kind words and all of that stuff. It, and just like your spirits in general. I don't normally say stuff that's so ooky spooky, but it was really. It felt incredibly it heart- communal. Janine, was, was that your experience? Oh God, yeah, it was it, so heartwarming. It like it was I, wonderful. Yeah, I had, I'm lost yeah. for words. It was it was great. Yeah. Uh, so thank you to everybody who came to our digital wake. We will be doing an in person wake in the future. Uh, so someday when we're all allowed to be out in the world again, please come and join us here in Chicago. Um, we would love. Nope. Social media. You can find us. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/podlandercast. You can find us on Twitter at podlandercast. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com/podlanderdrunkcast. That is where you can join our incredible slack channel which is just the most wonderful happy fun um again affirming place uh for three bucks a month um there are other benefit levels including a level that gets you bonus episodes and stuff Uh, that means you get access to janine's corner uh the janine experience uh, a little supplemental series that janine here does by himself there's a new episode of that going up today Um, and i got an email the other day that was like hey i've got a janine's corner for you and there was a file that just said on time travel (laughs) So I don't know what that is, uh, but I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, we're um, down a hole, that's for sure. I can't wait. Um, you can find that, again, at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast. Uh, we want to thank all of our patrons who make the show possible because it is not cheap to do, uh, but especially the following lovely people. Zena Perez, Stella, Ashlyn Berger, Misty Ojepi, Kayla Reagan, Amanda Newton, Jen Lander Drunkman, Drunklin, oh, Trish McCrary, Dr. J. Thank you so much, Dr. J, for all that you do. Lori McGuire, Katie Kirshner, Beth Lack, the other Janine. <laughs> <laughs> spelled differently j-a-n-e-e-n thank you the other janine for just delighting me when you signed up it made me laugh so hard that's great john samoski uh john let me know if your last name is being pronounced cor- correctly amy gustafson mary the falling statue still makes me laugh tori shannon duffy <laughs> alicia glenn liz peniston philip Nako, heather moore amanda Whitney Harrington, Chrissy Shively, Maria, Emma Lofold, Samantha Smith, Jenna Polkowski, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Tara Lucchino, Catherine Marshall Eastman, Chantel Salters, Mary Lumpkin, Crystal Nanavati, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Kara Marlowe, Flourish Root, Friday Payton, Kathleen Moniz, Hi Mom. Hi Mom. Heather Robbins, and Viv Pickles, a.k.a. Laura, and uh, Kiki... The, the wise. wise our slack den mom uh Kristen, we are thinking of you and sending you all good wishes um we also want to thank everybody who's listening who is working in the healthcare profession that includes dr j but some other really wonderful people some in our slack and i'm sure a great many outside it thank you for taking care of people and helping them stay safe thank you to anybody who works in a grocery store or delivers the mail or picks up garbage or delivers food to people or any of the other zillion things that is that is requiring people to go out in the world. Um, it's really incredible. And thank you for being brave and smart and wonderful. And we hope that every once in a while we make you laugh. Uh, stay safe. 
wash your hands, um, take care of each other, be kind, come yell at stuff about stuff on the internet with us. And if you want to hear more <laughs> in the books chat, uh, check the Patreon. The post will be unlocked so anybody can see it. And I will do it in the books chat later this week. Janine, do you have anything to add? Uh, have a great week. <laughs> yeah, have a great week. Have yeah. a great week. I hope. Um, I don't know. Have a great week. Maybe try week. watching this episode and just skipping from the beginning of the first silent film thing to the end of it and see what you think. Oh, maybe man. that's how I'll rewatch it. Maybe that's maybe that's how I'll watch it. That sounds impactful. You know what? You know what, Janine? Here's a little bonus for those of you who haven't turned off the episode yet. <laughs> I think you should watch it. And when I do the in the books thing, you should come on for part of it and talk to me about what you thought. Okay. Because I I'm would in. be very curious. And this is a little insight into the 97 careers that Janine has had. Janine has <laughs> a lot of insight and experience as a filmmaker as well. So I'd be very interested in your perspective from that arena. But yeah. you would pro- you, you'll need to watch the two back to back. Plus then yeah, you get no. to watch the Happy Birthday Sexy. God, and I've been, I, you know what? I need that right now. So I'm into it. <laughs> Great. Um, that's going to do it for us. We love you. Bye. Bye.